cheaper than our producer's underage sister. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's ex, live from Orlando, it's Crazy Train Radio. Cheaper than our producer's underage sister. Edgier than the stuff shown on late night television. Newer than Kim Kardashian's ex. Live from Orlando, it's Crazy Train Radio. From Friday the 13th Part 3, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Like uh, interesting cases, or does anything really stand out? 
as far well, as those are. I mean, I, I think all my. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have. I mean, the, those are were very interesting cases. Uh, the Amityville Horror one. I represented uh, George Lutz, who was the, um, uh, you know, the person the, the Amityville Horror is about, uh, and uh, that was involving uh, the rights in, into the remake they made in 2005. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Lutz passed away while we were in litigation, so that uh, ended that case. But he was a, he was a great guy. It was, it was really great to represent him. And uh, the HBO case involved a, a copyright infringement claim uh, uh, for the uh, television show Carnival, um, which was uh, also really interesting. Well, compared to other laws, such as criminal, and you know there's just so much out there within the law field, uh, mm-hmm. how difficult is the entertainment law, such as, I know you deal with trademarks, and as you said, and there's so many little details that you deal with within that field. Yeah. How how difficult is it? Yeah, how difficult would you compare to, like, whether you're dealing with criminal and, you know... All the just regular lawsuits, because there's, like I said, so many areas that you cover within the legal uh, system itself. Yeah, I mean, in like all of these things, it's not so much that they're difficult, because if you after you do it a while, you know, you sort of learn what's going on. So it's it's about getting the experience to to learn how to handle these sorts of cases. I'm I I I'm happy I don't do criminal. Mostly because I don't want to, you know, have someone's life literally in my hands. You know, you lose and, you know, they they go to jail for, you know, their life is ruined. So that's a lot of responsibility uh, that I don't want. And, um, uh, you know, but it, the copyright, uh, the entertainment law requires a lot of different fields because you're, you're dealing with copyright, you're dealing with contracts, you're dealing with trademarks, you're dealing with right of publicity. The, the the clients are, are for the most part really interesting people, and I I find it really fascinating, and uh, I, I love going to work every day. I have my own firm, and so I really pick my clients and who I who I will uh, represent, which keeps it uh, keeps it nice for me. Well, speaking of which, obviously, as I mentioned in the intro, there most people know you from uh, you know a couple projects that you did. Most notably, yeah. Shelley and Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Right. Uh, getting into the legal side of things, becoming a lawyer, did it help you saying, "I want to go into entertainment lawyer" or being an entertainment lawyer with having a background of being in the entertainment field as a talent? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when I left uh, acting and wanted to go into law. I knew I wanted to do entertainment law. That was really the only thing I wanted to do, and I was fortunate enough to be able to find a job in the entertainment law field and, and study from, learn from some really great guys um, who taught me a lot before I went on my own. Um, and uh, yeah, the the the, his, the the my past really uh, does uh, help me because I know what uh, what actors go through, what writers go through, you know what. Film production is is like, and that is it comes into uh, necessary every day. I mean, I had a case involved. One of my uh, early cases on my own was uh, a case involving the movie Darkness Falls and the copyrightability of a uh, of a horror movie character. Um, 
And so, really, the the my experience on Friday Thirteenth and my knowledge of horror movies uh, was extremely helpful. And I uh, because you know I understood what a horror you know what a horror movie character was and how that's set up and you know like Jason or Freddie or Michael Myers. And I remember talking to the lawyer for the uh, the defendants, uh, and she was telling me, oh, she had to watch, you know, The Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and she had to watch all these horror movies that she had never seen, because she didn't know anything about horror movies, you know, she was, so she had to sort of learn it, and that's not a way, you, you, you know, to get a handle on those kind of cases, you have to sort of, ha- you know, you, you, you have to know and love the film so you, so you know what's going on. Yeah, it's one of those things you either know it or you don't kind of thing. Right. You're right. It takes a lifetime to learn. It's like it's not just like like if you're doing something about the Beatles, and you go, well, I'll just listen to all the albums. It's like, well, that's not how it works, right? You sort of have to like have them in your DNA, right? You've heard every album a million times, right? That you can't just do, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of uh, obviously th- Friday the 13th uh, as Shelley, part of the uh, most that and obviously, we first met you and started talking to you uh, around the time you appeared at Monster Mania in Cherry Hill. Yeah. And obviously, those, that fan base would know you were probably best known for bringing the mask that Jason wore in subsequent films uh, into play. Uh, what is that like for you, you know, 25 years later or so here? We're almost actually 30 now that I think about it. 31. Uh, be, 31. Yeah, to be uh, known for such a... Uh, iconic item for an iconic uh, horror figure as Jason? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I didn't have much of an acting career, and, uh, you know, although I wanted to be an actor, you know, badly, it, you know, just didn't work out, and I, certainly I had a lot of friends who who were actors with me and who similarly didn't really have careers and left, you know, to do other things. But, you know, at least I have this. You know, I can tell every, you know, the people say, what did you do as an actor? Uh, well, I gave Jason his hockey mask, and, and everyone understands what that means and who that is and 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 what my place in pop culture uh, is. And that's that's kind of cool, as opposed to just saying, well, I had, a, you know, a, two lines in a Wesley Snipes movie, you know, I mean. That's great, too, but it's nice to be able to tell people and people understand what I did, and people still think it's cool. I know, you know, when I meet people or – actually, when I meet people and I'm with friends, my friends always say, Larry was in Friday the 13th, so they always get a kick out of telling people that about me. I don't usually put it out there, personally. Well, was there ever a time, like, time frame, that you're, whether you were back in school to become a lawyer or anything in your personal life that you – Kind of cringe going, oh, man, like, almost like it was embarrassing to say, hey, I did this, or? No, I, I, I was never embarrassed by the, no, I was never embarrassed by it. It was always fun and cool. I mean, it just, it was, you know, it was like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, because now, we, actors and all, or athletes that we've talked to on air and off, that always have told us, and they've been like, there's the times we love, a lot of the stuff we did, and there's 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 those moments too that people you know you cringe going oh damn what you know what was I thinking or hey I was just going for the paycheck or whatever the case may be. You yeah, know, well, I don't have any paycheck, paycheck parts because my 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 part my my career was not long enough to have that happen. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the paycheck's with the law firm now. So, <laughs> but uh, 
You know what the most interesting part was? Uh, what can you tell us about uh, who wants to be a millionaire, even though you didn't make the uh, hot seat for that uh, competition? Uh, what was that whole experience with Regis as a show there? You know, that, I was so obsessed. I don't know if people know or, or remember, but when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire first came on the air, they didn't really have an audition process. They didn't have an audition process. They literally had every day, they had a, they had a phone number you called up, and they would ask you three questions where you had to put something in order, uh, like put these states in order from west to east. And they give you one, California, two, you know, Nevada, three, Kansas, four, New York. Well, they, but they do it out of order. And then you had to push, you know, one, two, three, four. You know, so that that was, and, and then they get harder. So, and then if you got all three questions right, you got in a random pool to then get a, another call to, to, on another day to answer five questions right. And then if you got all five questions right on that other day, you got in another random pool to come to New York. And be on the show. And that's how they picked people. They didn't look at you. They didn't know your name. They didn't know anything about you except you got those questions right. And I did, I think, every day for a year and a half, I took that little test. And finally, <laughs> I, got the, I got through and I got the, 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 the call to come to New York. And uh, so that was so uh, – that was fun. It was, it was just like – it was just uh, – we you know, you, you, I think we left on it. Tuesday, shot on Wednesday, and left on Thursday. It was, you know, it's a very quick trip to New York, but it was uh, it was super fun uh, just to to try. And I was uh, the thing was, and the the, the fastest thing of question was about um, put these movies in order. And I was I had it right, and I was sixteen hundredths of a second off the pace. Um, uh, so I I didn't get in the hot seat, but at the end of the day, that turned out to be a good thing because it led to. Another game show later, which I wouldn't have gotten. Yeah, had which is I'd been one in. versus one hundred there. <laughs> right. right. But now, before we get into one versus one hundred there, but between the two shows, obviously, are you a guy that you know, on your downtime likes to sit home and watch game shows or reality shows, or are you a TV guy? I'm a, I'm a TV guy. I don't really watch game shows. I just know a lot about pop culture. And okay, so that's, well, I was going to say really my, uh, or ask you. That's that, like, yeah, that's one thing to be able to, you hear people say it all the time. It's one thing to, when you're home on your couch drinking a beer or what, whatever the case is, it's one thing when you're at home, you know, oh, that's this, that's to answer stuff, whether it's Jeopardy, Millionaire, whatever the show may be. But when you're actually there, you know, trying to, you know, compete, you know, what the difference was, that did you feel the pressure? It's, it, yeah, there's, I mean, on, on, on Millionaire, I just remember, like, you do it, and then my heart beat. I still remember, like, hearing my heart beat. Like, my beat, my heart was going to, like, fall out of my chest as I waited to see if I was going to go in the hot seat. And then I didn't, so then that was it. Then I didn't have to, <laughs> then, <laughs> then that was it. So then that was the end of that. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's pressure. You got to get, you know, you got to get through it. <laughs> Well, what about uh, one versus one hundred? You actually were part of the last man standing episode, yeah. and uh, from the notes we read, you won uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. Uh, was that for charity or was that uh, personal? No. Uh, no, 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 no. So th this was another where uh, one versus one hundred. I don't know if people remember the show. It, it had a weird. It was kind of a weird thing. There was a person who was the one, and then there was. Uh, 
the mob of 100, and they'd ask a question of the mob and the one, and then the 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 one would get money for every mob member who who got it wrong. So uh, the, the way the show was supposed to be was, if so if 10 people got the you know, question and 10 people got it wrong, the, the mob member would get, the, the one would get $10,000. And then the next level, it's 2,000 a question. So then another 10 people get it wrong. So now the, the, the one gets another 20, so now he's got 30,000. And that would keep going until either the, until the guy stopped or he got everyone out. But the, the catch was, if the one got it wrong, um, the, the remaining mob members would split the money that was left. So if there's $100,000 in the pot and 10 mob members and the one got it wrong, then each of the mob members would get $10,000. And I went there, and this is a show where they literally needed 200 people an episode to be mob members because that's how many – that's how – that's how it works. So they need a lot of people. And and I know I'm not your typical game show contestant because they don't usually pick entertainment lawyers. But I, I went down for that, and and uh, and I thought I – well, I said I'm not going to be the one, but I'll be in the mob. And if I get it right, uh, you know, I'll get $10,000, which is not bad for a day's work. And and the way it worked is that also if you – as long as you got it right, you got to be on the next show and continue. So you could, you could, you could win a few, and there were people winning like 50 grand by staying on week after week after week. So I went and I auditioned, and a few weeks later they said, okay, come down and be in the mob. And I was in the mob and got them all right, but the, the, the person took the money, and then they said, okay, you can come back for the next show in a couple of weeks. And then, then then they told me, oh, but this next show we're going to change the format to the last man standing. It'll just be 100 people, and the winner will get $250,000, and do you want to be – in that one, you don't have to be. They said, you can go back to the regular show. And I said, no, no, I like that. That's good because I can win a lot of money. And I figured I had a pretty good shot. I knew I was pretty good at this stuff. And then when I get to the filming on the, on the day of the filming, you know, and I, I thought I'm just against random people. And then they show up. And then it's Ken Jennings the Jeopardy champion, and Brad Rutter, who is actually the guy who beat Ken Jennings on Super Jeopardy. He's actually the all-time money winner, Brad Brad Rutter. And then they had two millionaire winners. They had six college bowl champions. They had they had just a whole bunch of game show winners on that episode. And, and so I'm just filler. I'm there, like, I'm just there to fill out the mob. They don't, I'm not, they don't consider me in contention at all. Um, and, uh, uh, and I was next, I happened to be put next to Ken Jennings in, uh, in the, in the thing, which was kind of cool because it, it, although the show is, it's only about 40 minutes of time, it took like four or five hours of filming. And so there's a lot of time to talk to Ken, which was kind of cool. He was, he was really nice. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, uh, beating everyone, not because I. Then, so in this show, they changed the format. It was it was last man standing. They were just going to go until no one was left, uh, until one person was left, and that person would get all the money. And so you had so to win, I had to beat Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter and Annie Duke and all the other people. And and turns out I did. I mean, I they asked me they asked the one question that that I knew that Ken Jennings did not know, which was who had been married. The most number of times, Larry King or King Henry VIII. That was the. And who was that? 
it, it was it was Larry King. Um, and, uh, so that was that was the uh, that was the right answer. And and at that there were there were there were five of us left at that point, and the other four all went with uh, King Henry VIII. And for some reason, I had I just remembered reading that Larry King had been married seven times, and I knew that was I, I put that down, and and that was the right answer, and that got me you know that knowing that got me. You know, quarter million dollars. So it was a good day. <laughs> good day in the office, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, with that 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 one versus one hundred, because obviously not many people are familiar with it. Like you said, unless you watch like the Game Show Network and all now and see it right. in reruns. That was the show that was uh, hosted by Bob Saget, correct? Yes, Bob Saget. Right. Did you Did you have a lot of uh, interaction with Bob there? Or? No, no, because. Like I said, I'm just one of the mob until the end when I won. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't focused on me. They didn't, they weren't thinking about me. They thought it was, they were sure Ken Jennings was going to win. I think they were, you know, they were, or Annie Duke. They thought it would be, and they were down to, it was in the final five. It was Ken and Annie and me and two other people. And we were just there to fill it out. I don't think they they thought at all that I would win. (laughs) So who's this guy coming out of the left field, so to say? Exactly, exactly. But you know, it is. You know, with these game show rules, you got it. You know, they got to be honest about it. I won, so they had to give me the money. Yeah, ever since that uh, scandal back in the fifties, I believe it was with games. Yeah, right. TV right. So this coming yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Larry, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out. Uh, if, if people are in, who are listening happen to be in the entertainment field and may have an issue again, uh, what's the best way to contact your office? Uh, we just go to my website, zernerlaw.com, Google me, Larry Zerner, uh, email me, Larry at zernerlaw.com, follow me at zernerlaw uh, on Twitter, uh, so yeah, I'm easy to find. If you know my name, Z-E-R-N-E-R, you can you can find me. Exactly. Uh, do you have any more, because uh, like I said earlier in the interview, uh, before we let you go, we, we uh, first met you and started talking to you when you were making the appearance in Cherry Hill. Do you have anything coming up? I do. I'm going to be uh, – I'm scheduled to go to Mad Monster uh, – Mad Monster Barney Gras? Mad Monster Party in, in New Orleans on uh, Friday, uh, September 13th. Um, oh. So that well, seems like yeah, a fantastic time. You Google that. Info that show down in New Orleans. You know, you Google that, too, and uh, I'm sure it's called, Yeah, it's called Mad, Mad, Monster, Mad Monster Party and uh, – yeah, I think, and I know Derek Mears, uh, Jason from the remake, is will also be there. He's a great guy. Yes. Larry, thank you for taking a few minutes.